0: DBHDD is reminding Georgians to ask their doctor about alternatives to opioid pain medication. Alternatives such as over-the-counter medications and physical therapy can be used to manage pain. More information at opioidresponse.info.
1: Today on Political Rewind, did the Thursday Democratic presidential debate change the dynamics of who's winning and who's lagging behind? How will voters react to the dramatically different Democratic proposals on health care? And who looked most ready to take on President Trump? Turn off your record players, kids. Political Rewind starts now. Welcome to Political Rewind. I'm Bill Nygut. So glad to have you with us today. We do a lot to talk about in terms of the uh, presidential debate, but we also want to talk about some important issues right here in the state of Georgia. We'll do that with Jim Galloway. Of course, he's the lead political writer for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. You read him on Wednesdays and Sundays in the newspaper. And he oversees the Political Insider blog at AJC.com. Dot com. You got a column
2: for Sunday already? We usually see I got, it. I got a... Oh, it's, I've tweeted it's it out. It's, on, it's online. It's what on is the, it? Uh, it's, it's on ballot building, being done by Republicans and Democrats. Okay, good, good. So you can read that online at AJC.com or wait for
1: Sunday morning when you get your newspaper in your driveway. Um, Alan Abramowitz is with us, a professor, longtime professor of political science at Emory University. How long have you been at Emory now, Alan?
3: Longer than I care to remember. <laughs> no, I've I've been there since 1987. Um, okay. However and, many years that is. Um,
1: <laughs> and uh, Alan, we usually really love having you come on. You've got when you're published a new book, and I'm really glad to have you here to talk about the debate among other things uh, that we're going to discuss today. Thank you for being glad to here. Be here. Amy Steigerwald, professor of political science at Georgia State University, a regular on our panel, is here. Thank you for being here, Amy. Thanks
0: for having me. It's good to you, be here.
1: Um, We talk about your books, too. You've written on the issues of women in politics, the electability of women in politics, among any number of other subjects, Sam? Yes. Great. And we have a first-time panelist on the show who I'm really thrilled is with us, Mo Ivory. Mo Ivory is an attorney... Uh, she has been a media personality. If you've uh, been a listener of V103, you would know Mo Ivory's name. And um, it's just really a delight to have you here, Mo. You also do some political consulting as well with Fair Fight Fair Fair Action now, Georgia, right? Right,
4: Fair Fight Action, yep.
1: Fair Fight Action. Thank you for being here. Thank All you. right, let, let's get right to work on talking about this debate. Um, so to set the stage a little bit, Jim, this, of course, is the first time that we've had a single night of debating. The first two debates were actually four debates. There were so many candidates on the stage, they couldn't get everybody on one stage. So finally we saw the frontrunners, the presumed frontrunners by all the polling, appear on the same stage. and. The candidates who are lagging behind as well. Um, just give me your first take, if you don't mind. Let's let's start with the front runners. You've got Biden, mm-hmm. Sanders, and Elizabeth Warren. It, did you see anything last night that caused you to think that Biden in front? Elizabeth Warren a little ahead of Bernie Sanders depending on the day in the poll, and and uh, you know those two kind of reversing roles every now and then. Did you see anything that changed the dynamic last
2: night? No. I, well, I, I I think I did. I, I, the one thing that I did see, and, and it it, it's, it wasn't uh, uh, confined to those those three candidates, but I I saw the issues rise up. And and the and the division on those issues, mm-hmm. in, in particular on health care, you had Joe Biden starting it off, then you had uh, uh, Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders warning it, uh, 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 chiming in, and then but then you also had uh, two other centrists, if you will, uh, Amy Klobuchar and Pete Buttigieg. Uh, c- c- kind of come down on joe biden's side so i thought that was that was a really interesting uh enunciation of of of, of a debate in in the democratic party yeah i think in a, in, a, in a few minutes we
1: should talk a little bit about that long deep in the weeds conversation mm-hmm. sure. about health care and we'll mm-hmm. get to that in a minute but amy i think in a jet ge- a general conclusion it might be fair to reach um would be that it was an issue-oriented debate. I would think if you're a Democrat just observing out there on television, you would come away saying, gee, we've got candidates who really understand the issues that matter to them they may not be the issues that the American voter is going to go for uh, next November, but these are a bunch of smart people who really care about the issues. Is that fair uh, characterization? I
0: think that is very true. And I think one of the things that we really noticed from this debate from the last one is that let the candidates have longer answers and longer time Mm -hmm. to speak, which allowed them to give more nuanced policy discussion. And it was very clear that the candidates wanted to discuss policy. They wanted to at times get into the weeds Mm -hmm. and be able to make those. And so, I think that that was really robust because it really was a very issue-centered uh, debate on that level. And I think that was really helpful for, you know, moving us forward in the Democratic primary. So
1: the same question that I asked Jim, because I'll, I'll ask everyone, anything that changed the dynamic of who's leading in this uh, race? Is that who's going to be leading when the polling shows what, what the impact of the debate was?
0: Probably not. Uh, My guess is what we're gonna continue to see is it's that jockeying between those top three. Um, The trends line so far has been Biden slowly ticking down and particularly Elizabeth Warren slowly ticking up. She's made probably the most jump uh, since really all of the debates have started. And there wasn't a lot that came out of last night that I think is gonna change that. But I think that's probably,
3: again, our top three. Alan, so what about that question first? Mm -hmm. Much of a change? I don't think we're going to see a big change. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see Elizabeth Warren continue to gain ground relative to Bernie Sanders. Um, To me, Bernie Sanders came across as rather strident. Um, His issue positions are hardly distinguishable from Elizabeth Warren's, but stylistically... You know, I think there's a big difference between the two of them, and that helps to explain why she's been gaining ground on him, and I think that happened last night. He sounded hoarse to me, also. Yeah. I'm not sure what was going on there. Apparently but,
1: he is hoarse, yeah. right? And that understandably. Made, that made us kind of, he does have a, you know, I know that the people who love him, love him. Yeah, and they still will. But he <laughs> does have a somewhat abrasive personality yes. on the campaign trail, Right. the hoarseness of his voice didn't help that right. last so night I, from his so stylistic I, So, I, so I, I think that
3: came through. So we we may see some movement along those lines. I thought Biden did pretty well, actually, in defending himself and getting Amy Klobuchar and Pete Buttigieg to come in and kind of uh, join with him in attacking uh, the Sanders-Warren-Medicare-for-All plan, I thought was helpful to him, actually. There may be some movement among the also-rans. So Beta O'Rourke, I thought, had a pretty good Mm -hmm. night. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't be surprised. To see him move up a few points, but mm-hmm. I don't think there's going to be any shift between the top three and the rest. I mean, I think they'll we'll continue to see that divide. You know, Mo, there were two different
1: divides. Uh, it seems to me on that stage last night: the front runners and the everybody also-rans, everybody else, <laughs> and the liberals and the moderates. Yeah. Uh, the liberals, of course, as Alan just said, uh, represented m- most particularly by by uh, Warren and Sanders. Um. The the, the thing that was of great interest to me last night was that nobody touched Elizabeth Warren. I mean, here she is, as Amy just said, moving up in the polls. Uh, She seems to be gaining popular, big rallies for her out there across the states that she's been campaigning in. And she went untouched the whole evening. What's going on there?
4: Yeah, you know, um, she has such an even tone and um, I think sometimes she gets lost in the shuffle because of that. She also did not get as many questions as everybody else. Mm -hmm. She also did not interject in the way others interjected themselves into the conversation. So I think it was partly her fault and partly the fault of the um, ABC panel that were asking the questions because she just didn't seem to get as many as even Yang uh, got. (laughs) So that was a little bit um, puzzling to me. But I also think that she's going to have to step it up, And she's going to have to begin to be a little bit more um, responsive. And, and it's not her style to go after people. I do love that about her. Um, so I think that it's the way that she presents, but she's going to have to interject more. And, and the way Biden did last night, in a way he hadn't done in the first and second debates, which is he normally retracts when he sees that the clock is over and his time is up. But he didn't do that this time. He was very strong. Uh, he was clearly presidential i felt and um i think that she's going to have to sort of take that tone on in order for her numbers to continue to rise I, you know
2: I, I think i think i would just disagree just ever so slightly with mo, with mo here that i think one reason that she didn't get a whole lot of the time is that there was a, a definite reluctance among the other candidates to, to go after her Well, that's my point. Her. and 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 i think you know it, I was I was watching her last night, and and I was I was remembering when uh, Barack Obama uh, always brought in Bill Clinton as the explainer in chief. <laughs> and, and that's become her great, uh, that, mm-hmm. that's really become a a, a great mm-hmm. talent that she's showing right now, that she can get into those weeds mm-hmm. very, very deep, but she always, she always brings it back to, <clears throat> to kind of the kitchen table. And, and, and I think that talent is, it kind of makes her hard to deal with on, on an, uh, uh, an attack. I I, think, I, go ahead. I was
4: just going to say, I think there's a certain amount of humanity with Elizabeth Warren that people don't want to attack, you know the teacher in her, the mother in her. I just, I just, she's never been uh, sort of open that door because she doesn't do it herself. And so I think there's a little bit of reluctance for all of them to seem that like, oh, now it's time to go after Elizabeth. The way they did it in the second debate, it was like, okay, it's time to go after Joe Biden. And it was just a collective, you know, let's, it, it didn't work, right? So I think that they're thinking about that when they think about Elizabeth Warren.
3: I thought it was interesting that the criticism of Medicare for All that we heard coming from Biden, but also from Klobuchar, from Buttigieg, uh, even from Cory Booker, somewhat, um, was focused mainly on Bernie. Exactly. It was focused yeah. mainly on yeah. him, and that's partly, I think, because um, of the way he presents it. You know, I wrote the damn bill, yeah. which gives <laughs> everyone a chance to say, you know, what's wrong with the damn bill, or as. Uh, Amy Klobuchar very cleverly said, I read the damn bill. Yeah, you may have written uh, it, but I, I read so it. So he's gotten most of the <laughs> flack, even though, you know, she's right there with him. Yeah. You know, you, yeah. she has not really separated herself from him no. the way Kamala Harris has. So Kamala Harris kind of started out on that team. Now she's, she's kind of moved enough. away and said, <laughs> well, Medicare for all, but we're going to keep, uh, you can have your, keep your private health insurance if you want to and we're, so she's cl- really moving into the uh medicare for all who want it you know Camp. amy there was some of the commentary this morning
1: was uh, uh pointed out that elizabeth Warren disappeared for quite a length of time mm-hmm. especially during yeah. the uh health care mm-hmm. portion yep. of the debate and and there was criticism criticism where was she during all that mm-hmm. If you're moving up in the polls, if you're seeing steady growth, I'm not so sure that you have to rely on the strength of performance in this one debate. If you're confident that you're continuing to move, it actually may be kind of smart to back up a little and let other people uh, battle it out, as the liberals and moderates did over health care last night.
0: I'll admit that I had a bit of that thought, and also simply the thought that this is again the first time that they've all been on the stage together. So we haven't seen, Mm. especially Warren, Sanders, Biden all together, as well as those that are pulling down ballot. And so I think part of what was also going on is that in many ways people see that number one, Biden is the one that they've got to really run against, and Bernie has this very core, very strong set of supporters that I think again it's trying to make inroads in that or trying to suggest and. There might be a way in which for Elizabeth Warren it was, you know what, I'm going to let everybody else sort of have their say. I'm just going to stand right here. I'm going to give you know my answers. But Medicare for all, Bernie, go for it.
1: All right. So let's talk about that for a minute, Jim. Again, one debate we clearly saw the divide in the Democratic Party over just how far to go with health care. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have the Biden faction of the party. Uh, Amy Klobuchar is in that uh, uh, camp. I think uh, Buttigieg is in that camp. Let's take what we've got. Obamacare was hard to get through the f- Congress in the first place. Mm-hmm. Let's build upon it and make it better. And then, of course, the liberals, the Warren and uh, Sanders faction saying, scrap it, Let's have a single-payer system. Mm-hmm. It, how are we get, it, voters out there, if they're really starting to pay attention now, which argument do we think is going to be a, a, an argument you want to stick with when you have to run a general election campaign?
2: Well, you know, I think it's this is... <sighs> one thing that 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 Biden has not done yet is and it's and it's hard to during a primary cuz you don't want to discourage your voters but he has not reminded people exactly how hard it was for Barack Obama yeah. to pass anything yeah. Yeah. and what a what a what a tribal reaction he provoked when he became president mm-hmm. and that reaction look look yeah uh even if democrats win in November 2020 uh and uh, Ellen you Tell me if I'm wrong here. I don't think the world changes. I don't think you know. We're we are still going to be work, working with a very very thin margin on, yeah. on in the Senate. Oh yeah. yeah. And that means. At best. That means. Mm-hmm. That means. That means. You you better be very realistic about what you're yeah. promising. Well, we both know, Jim.
1: Yeah. that This is an area of expertise for Abramowitz. Here, <laughs> you when it comes to looking at you know. At uh, divisiveness in the party, at factionalism—that's yeah. really a, a, a sweet spot right. for you. How do you read this moderate versus liberal
3: split? Well, when it split? comes to you know proposal as drastic as Medicare for all, as uh, as proposed by Bernie Sanders, for example, and Elizabeth Warren, uh, whatever you think of the merits of it, it's not going to happen. Um, that's not going to pass Congress. You know, in, a, in a, any conceivable uh, result that we can think of, even if Democrats hold on to the House. Maybe pick up a few seats in the House, pick up a few seats, to gain control of the Senate. But if they do that, and which is far from certain, it would be by a very narrow margin, 51-49, maybe 50-50 with the vice president casting the tie vote. There are a number of Democrats in the Senate who certainly would never support that yeah, proposal. So- and even in the House, they won't get – I don't think they can, they can get muster 218 votes. In the House, So mo, if that's the case, and and, and I think
1: a lot of people agree with that's Helen on that. <laughs> what think about Georgia voters. What are Democrats as they pursue the liberal wing of the of the candidacies? Uh, as they pursue this uh, single payer, Medicare for all, whatever they want to call it? What do you think they're doing to Democratic voters in a state like Georgia?
4: Uh, confusing them, I think it which, <laughs> just really, Jim. I think you made a really good point. When you have a success, um, you know, however people understand it in whatever capacity they understand Obamacare, it was branded as a universal plan for everyone. If if Biden could just ex- use that branding to his um, advantage and then say, but I'm gonna fix the things that people didn't like, I think voters can understand that. I don't think any voters think we're about to overhaul the uh, health care system again. And yeah. so I think it's a mistake to keep... Um, it was very confusing for people. I last night was in D.C. when I was watching the debate, and um, I was with a group of um, folks that were in town for a big conference, and um, there were a lot of gasps and, and oh, that's mm-hmm. going to gonna make our voters go away. Oh, that's going to deter people. They don't understand what it means that you automatically have to go into this um, system. So I really think think it's a mistake to do that. Uh, I think we should stick with sort of that's why there's marketing and there's 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 an attachment to a name that people can understand. And I think that Biden did a good job last night by saying, we, we, we have Obamacare. Let's fix yeah. it and expand and it. And yeah. I thought so that was good. That's was several of
1: the
3: candidates. Mm-hmm. So, Amy,
1: uh, policy is another, is a real area of strength uh, for you. Mm-hmm. So, basically, uh, kind of two questions uh, around uh, all that, picking up on what we've been discussing. Um, one of them is, uh, if, if uh, do I, as a viewer... And I think of myself as someone who pays pretty close attention to politics. Mm
3: -hmm.
1: I was lost Mm -hmm. in that entire section of the debate Mm -hmm. about single payer, about Mm -hmm. do you have to opt in? Do you not have to opt in? Mm -hmm. How are you? I I just, I thought that Kamala Harris in some ways brought Democrats to the kind of message Mm -hmm. Mo was talking about when she said, all of us on this stage believe in universal health care. However mm-hmm. we want to get there, we believe like it's your right to be covered.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: It and 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 Donald Trump spent the first year of his right. presidency mm-hmm. trying to dismantle it. That's the choice you have. That's the kind of statement that people might be able to rally around. You get into the weeds on some but, of this but it's stuff. But
2: it's not a statement you can make until until you're down to one, two or three candidates.
0: Well, and I think what? that's where the difficulty mm-hmm. right. is, is sort of is talking about the framing and how it is that uh, they want to present this on sort of a policy side. right? Because, again, even though this technically was the longer debate answer version, they still got at most 60 seconds. And a lot of this is incredibly complex. It's about trying to get to also the same end goal. I mean, I think that is really very true. Everybody is about how do we expand access? How do we do that? It's certainly not a going uh, back and forth. And so it's getting lost in that framing. Because what they are allowing them to do, um, particularly the Republicans right now, by having sort of the fight they're having is they're allowing Republicans to be able to frame it as Democrats want to take away something right. and no one is really doing a good job in saying, well, wait, this is about it's not about insurance. It's about access and we don't want to take it away. And there was a little attempt at that, but not very well. Here, last night.
1: We're, let's start playing some sound uh, from the uh, debate. Here's Kamala Harris making the point that I just talked about.
0: Everybody on this stage, I do believe is well-intentioned and wants that all Americans have coverage and recognizes that right now 30 million Americans don't have coverage. But at least five people have talked, some repeatedly, on this subject. And not once have we talked about Donald Trump. So let's talk about the fact that Donald Trump came into office and spent almost the entire first year of his term trying to get rid of the Affordable Care Act. We all fought against it, and then the late, great John McCain, at that moment at about 2 o'clock in the morning, killed his (laughs) attempt to take health care from millions of people in this country.
1: All right. So, Jim, your point is that as long as you've got a larger Democratic field, everybody's going to have their own health care plan. You can't expect them all to get on the same page. They all they all want to be able to differentiate. <laughs> right. Right. Yes. Right. OK. Um, let's let's talk about the other divide on the stage, Alan. And that was the front runners and those who are right. trying to gain oxygen. Yeah. And the first question about that is it's you know, people keep saying, well, it's still early. But if you're out there looking to raise money for your campaign today, yeah. you'll, so you'll be able to keep moving forward, it's not too
3: early at all, is it? No, it's not. In fact, it's getting pretty late. And um, I think we're going to see uh, over the next month or two, maybe before the next debates, uh, some more dropouts, mm-hmm. some more candidates drop out, um, largely because they're not going to be able to raise the money that it takes to continue running their campaign. So if we've seen the next round of polling... Uh, after this debate, and we see that um, the also RANs are still back in the back two and, and points. If they yeah. haven't really closed the gap between themselves and the top three, then I think there's going to be increasing pressure on the on some of them at least, to drop out. Let
1: me ask each of you, Mo, did any one of those uh, people who are polling at maybe 2% if they're lucky um, make uh, a, a move that will impact the polling?
4: You know, that, that's hard. I really thought that Cory Booker was good last night and that every time he had the opportunity uh, to speak, he sort of gave a mini TED Talk on mm. the, the right things that America needs to do mm. and the direction that we need to go in. So I would hate to see him drop out, even though he's polling at 1%, 2%, because I feel that he adds something to the conversation. Beto O'Rourke had a standout night, but obviously because they were in Texas. I mean, that wasn't hard to figure why, you know, he would stand out. Out in that way so yeah
1: but his message about i'm going to take your assault rifle yeah. i'm going to come into your house essentially yeah. and grab <laughs> your was, guns yeah. it yeah. might have been it might have played well in the hall last night for and among liberal it. democrats yes. or democrats but oh my gosh yes,
4: absolutely <laughs> yeah, but, but if, if you think about the impact that he had just last night i think he had a breakout for that moment because of he, where they were I, a lot of factors i thought he did very together. well
3: um you're right i mean that's a that's a that's going pretty far, and we didn't hear any other Democrats joining in yeah. and going that far. Some are saying they want voluntary buyback programs right. for these. Let's listen launches.
1: to better O'Rourke uh, when he talked about that in Odessa, I met the mother of a 15-year-old girl who was shot by an Mm AR-15. And that mother watched her bleed to death over the course of an hour because so many other people were shot by that AR-15. In Odessa and Midland, there weren't enough ambulances to get to them in time. Hell yes, we're going to take your AR-15, your AK-47.
2: We're not going to allow it to be used against
1: our fellow Americans. Well, uh he did very, all of the people who got a chance to mention this on the stage last night complimented Beto O'Rourke for how he handled things mm-hmm. after particularly El Paso, but he didn't get much of a bump in the poll, I mean, I, I think he sincerely cared about his community, so I, mm-hmm. there's a way in which I'm a little uncomfortable even framing it in such stark po- political yeah. terms. But it is a, a, a race for president, so you've got to.
0: It is, and some of the difficulty that starts to happen is it's not just about raising the money, but it's also that you need to start building um, a ground structure <clears throat> in yeah. each of these different yeah. states. And that's you're not right. only credibly expensive, but you need people. And so, again, as we sort of get farther along, you're going to have a lot of those who would want to be on the ground saying, you know, I would like there to be fewer choices, right? This is getting too much. It's dividing it. It's spending too much money to be able to go between this. And that's really where the difficulty is. So you saw, I mean, certainly Andrew Yang tried to get attention. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not sure that it worked particularly yeah,
3: well. Yeah, we'll get to that a little later. Um, he yeah, some interesting right, lines. Yeah.
0: You know, mm-hmm. And his foreign policy answers also sort of suggested that he was a bit out of his depth. So that was, you know, mm-hmm. so that sort of affects it there. Um, on the other hand, um, I think Senator Harris had a really good answer. Answer, mm. uh this time comparatively to other ones about her criminal justice background yeah. and um, being attorney general. And the surprise there was perhaps Klobuchar's response that she didn't seem um, as prepared to be able to answer yeah. that one. Yeah. And so, yeah, which I is one
1: she should have been prepared she should for. Have been,
0: I mean, honestly, because that was not kind of a surprise that that was going to come. And so I think <clears> we're starting to see it. I mean, the problem is, is if you haven't moved at this point and particularly yeah. if you haven't moved by the October yeah. debate, you're probably not going to move anymore.
2: Yeah. Galloway? Yeah, just if we can go back to Beto or Sure. Uh, uh, n- number one, I don't think he's, he's ever going to be president, at least not not in the next eight years or so. Wow, that's yeah. a sweeping yeah. and bold mm-hmm. statement. I know, I, mean, I know it is. <laughs> uh, and <laughs> and yes, he was he's still a Texas. young guy, though. Uh, yeah. yes, uh, and, and yeah. yes, he, was, he, 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 was, he had a home, home field inva- advantage in Texas. Yeah. But I think also that he is his seizing on a a new issue for that's 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 got political momentum for the first time, right. and he's something of a trailblazer yeah. on on that yeah. issue. Yes, he is. Yeah. And 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 even though he's you know some of the lines he's using aren't aren't politic, I think he's I think he's 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 grasping onto an emotion uh, that 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 people might resonate with him. All right, I've teed up for you, Mr.
1: Galloway, what I think was one of the really premier moments of the entire evening. It was an effort by Julian Castro to move up by attacking the front runner, Joe Biden. And I thought, we'll play it, and then you get first shot at this. Let's listen. (laughs) But the difference between what I support and what you support, Vice President Biden, is that you require them to opt in. And I would not require them to opt in. They would automatically be enrolled. They wouldn't have to buy in. That's a big difference, because Barack Obama's vision was not to leave 10 million people uncovered. He wanted every single person in this country covered. My plan would do that. Your plan would not. They do
3: not have to buy in. They do not have to
1: buy in. You just said that. You just oh. said that two minutes ago. Yes. You just you said two minutes ago that they would have to buy in. It. You said Their they would have to would buy not in. Have to buy in. If she uh, qualifies, are, for you, the are you forgetting what
4: you said, said two minutes ago? Inf-
2: All right. Mm. Ooh. Ouch. <laughs> if you're going, to, if, if you're going to attack somebody's memory, mm. make sure you're right. <laughs> yeah, he was wrong, That's and right. this one, and, and yeah. in this case, he wasn't. Uh, Although I will tell, look, uh, I agree with Mo. Joe Biden did perform very well. On his his best debate yet, but that last question on race was completely befuddling. Yeah. Yeah, uh, and I don't have it, that, it, unfortunately. No, no but. but 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 here's and here's what, what's interesting about this. Okay, is Biden is 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 the one is the candidate in there with with the highest level of African American support? Mm-hmm. I think thirty five percent or so. I mean, it, it, the numbers are really. He unveiled uh, something like what two hundred state uh, uh, African American state lawmakers backing him up that in day. the mm-hmm. hours before the <clears> debate. <throat> <Yes. laughs> He's got Keisha Lance Bottoms uh, 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 campaigning for him in South mm-hmm. Carolina. In the next weekend, and and but it's it's the issue on which when he's put on the spot on stage that he can't yeah, talk but, about. Yeah, but
1: okay. But Alan, I, he's right, of course. <laughs> but Alan, two things coming out of this. Number one, let me ask you to respond to the Julian Julian Castro. Yeah. I mean, here's here's what the problem is with trying to make an impact in one debate to bring in some more donors and hope you can you know supercharge your campaign. Yeah. He he. No one was his as heavily criticized at the end of that debate that's right. as he was for the way he that's conducted right. himself. And, and,
3: you know, this is often the case with these debates that um, even if the people actually watching the debate, the debate didn't catch that or didn't understand that that, that was a mistake. Uh, at the time, there's been so much commentary about it since then. Yes. Uh, and that's been rerun over and over again. It's been run on the news. So now I think everyone who's Watches the news at least understands mm. that that he you know botched that yeah. pretty badly. It, it's the sort of thing Mo that could end your campaign really.
4: I think it might be the thing that yeah. ends his campaign, yeah. um, and it certainly ends any. Um, Thought that he could have a position as a VP pick or anything like that, and so it was just really unfortunate. I wondered uh, if he thought the roar was a support roar, not a necessarily a "oh my gosh" roar, um, and that kept him going because I I did go to the first debate that was in Miami, and it <laughs> is a little hard inside of the uh, debate hall to really understand if it's a a, a heckler, a protester, or an apo- at, at the first moment. <clears throat> Mm-hmm. so I'm imagining that if you're on the stage, yeah. it's even farther yeah. Yeah, away from feels, you. That's yeah. Exactly. Yeah, it, All right. yeah.
1: Let me turn to the other thing. But what Jim said, yeah. I mean, he's right. I mean, at the end of the debate, Biden completely botched the question about race. But he's botched any number of comments he's made about race. And it hasn't had a single impact on his support among African-Americans.
4: Yeah. I mean, you know, African-American voters love Joe Biden. And it is uh, the thing that... Uh, the the decency of Joe Biden is what keeps I think African American voters there. And so I think when and uh, when the Julian the Julian Castro attack almost wiped away any things that happened that he didn't really answer. And so yeah. I think that that poor answer to the race question was kind of blown away by the, how dare he, uh, you know, say that yeah. about his age or his memory. And- I,
2: I, I do want to say, uh, vis-a-vis your intro uh, today. Yeah. I, I do have a record player. <laughs> <laughs> and and, and, so and right <laughs> now, and right now there's a Billy Daniels record yeah, on kids, it. Kids, you and know, make point, sure you though, those, turn your record player to on. Point,
4: your to the point of the support of African-American voters, that record player mention was actually something that sparks joyous memories oh, in the wonderful. African-American community. Oh, that's You're thinking community. about Motown. I'm thinking about <laughs> the, the I, I literally, one year ago, bought my mother a record player. Oh, you know, the new great. revamped yeah. record players? Right. Because uh, vinyl is coming back in. Right. Oh, yeah. And, Amy, yeah.
1: I'm sorry. <clears throat> we got to get to a break, but we got to do one last uh, uh, sound bite before we do, because you talk about the inherent decency that that seems to continually trump for him, for Biden, mm-hmm. uh, all of these uh, silly and sometimes really egregious mistakes he makes. Yeah. This is what he said uh, at the close of the debate last night. When you get hit badly, whether you're losing a job or you're raising a family like my dad, where you have to make that longest walk up the stairs to tell your kid you can't live here anymore, dad lost his job you know we, we've all went through that in some form or another and it just takes it just for me the way I've dealt with it is uh, finding purpose and my purpose is do what I've always tried to do and uh, stay engaged in public policy and but uh, there's a lot of people been through a lot worse than I have get up every single morning put their feet one foot in front of another without the help I had they're real heroes
3: out there so real you, Mr. heroes. Vice.
1: So unfortunately, we didn't get the front end of that, which was the really powerful one. He would, what are the challenges that you've had to overcome uh, is the question. Mm-hmm. Right. He talked about the fact that his first wife and uh, two of his children were killed in an automobile wreck, exactly. that he was just elected to the US Senate from Delaware at the time, he hadn't even been sworn in. He still had kids at home who were recovering. Yeah. Uh, he would get on the train and go to Washington <coughs> To the senate every and come home every night and then of course he talked about the loss of both so that was really the powerful part exactly. of what he said at the close and and that human human mm. humanity
0: mm-hmm.
1: comes through every time i was on the train when he announced in 1987 for wow. the white house we got an opening speech in um, in Wilmington mm-hmm. from him. And then we all boarded all mm-hmm. of the press, the train to go to Washington to symbolically show mm-hmm. what he'd been doing. That's one of the reasons that it's hard. You know, people love him despite all the mistakes.
0: Exactly. I mean, he's particularly good at that. And especially if we talk sort of as a contrast of who we know, Will be the opponent right. um, in the in the in November is that we have right he has empathy, which is something right. that Donald Trump has really struggled he's, he's, with.
3: He's got one he's other thing, decency. He's got yeah. one other thing going for him that I think helps to explain mm-hmm. that support that he's getting from African American voters in particular, and of course that's having been Obama's vice president. Yeah, yeah sure. That doesn't yeah. hurt, so does it, Jim? So he can constantly exactly. talk about <laughs> mm-hmm. Barack this, Barack yeah. that. What well, I did and with I th- Barack. And, you know, and last night, another thing that was interesting was that, in contrast to the earlier debates, all the candidates were praising Obama. Uh, And I think they, Mm -hmm. this was an... Kind of attempt to correct for what they had done before, okay. because Obama is very popular with Democratic oh, voters, absolutely. and that yep. serves Ob- uh, serves Biden very well, but especially with African American voters.
1: I got to get to break. You got one last quick comment before it no, into I, the I, break.
2: To, to, to Alan's Alan's point, I think that's one of the, that's one, I mean that's one of the reasons they 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 went back and 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 started uh, talking up Obama is because right. they realized. Mm-hmm. There's no wedge that can drive Obama and Biden apart. That's right.
4: And to your point, I think Julian Castro made a mistake by not uh, talking about his involvement with the Obama administration and using it as a tool in the same way that Biden did. And I thought that was really a mistake. He could have had an alliance in
0: that. Really, President Obama came out as one of the winners of the debate last night. Absolutely. And the other part of it is that a lot of people, right, the polls keep continually showing that Democratic primary voters emphasize Mm -hmm. electability over whether or not they actually agree on all the issues with the candidate that they support. And I think, again, that goes towards Biden.
1: All right. This is an all-star panel. I I mean, I don't even want to take a break, but we've already gone about like 40 (laughs) minutes, so we'd better get it done right now. This is Political Rewind. We'll be right back.
0: Time is running out for your chance to win a St. Simons Island getaway for two and give our fall fun drive a head start. Go to gpb.org and click Donate, and you'll also enter to win this vacation with a three-night oceanfront stay at the King and Prince Beach and Golf Resort. Relax on the beach, play golf, and enjoy meals in the resort's oceanfront dining room. That's gpb.org. Thanks for your support, and good luck. Microsoft's president used to warn that regulation killed innovation. Now he wants the government to put some guardrails on tech. To protect,
3: frankly, something that is far more important than technology, democracy. It was here before us. It needs to be here and healthy after us. That story,
0: plus analysis of the Democratic presidential debate, this afternoon on All Things Considered from NPR News.
2: 4 till 7 today on GPB and on the GPB apps.
1: Welcome back to uh, Political Rewind. I'm Bill Nygut. Jim Galloway is with me. Emory University political science professor, um, Alan Abramowitz, Georgia State University political science professor, Amy Steigerwald, and uh, Mo Ivory, who is, um, uh, what we didn't say in introducing you in addition uh, to your work with Fair Fight Action, uh, in addition to a lot of the other things you do, is that you were you were a candidate for Atlanta City Council a couple of years back.
4: I was, and what an experience that was!
1: Yeah, I'll bet. It. I'll
4: just leave that right there. <laughs> and
1: <laughs> and people who are devoted to V one hundred and three, and boy, there are a lot of them in this town. Yes. Remember you well from your uh, time uh, working over there. It's really a pleasure to have you on for the first time. Thank you so much. Let's, if if we can, let's do one last thing. Let's leave the debate and move on to uh, uh, other issues. But we can't go without playing Andrew Yang's (laughs) idea. Andrew Yang, for the entire week before the debate, (laughs) kept talking about the big surprise announcement he was going to have. Here it is.
2: That's why I'm going to do something unprecedented tonight. My campaign will now give a freedom dividend of $1,000 a month for an entire year to 10 American families, someone watching this at home right now.
1: <laughs> the, the really rich moment in that Jim was the next person to speak right. was Buttigieg, <laughs> <laughs> and the single shot of Buttigieg—he stood silently absorbing that for about twenty seconds. <laughs> and then he said, "Well, that's sort of the I, mean. <laughs> <laughs> I think what he's—he's he's done that with a couple of families uh, out of his own pocket, but now he's talking about doing it. Using campaign funds, first he's going to have a pilot program. You can go to his website, he <laughs> says, and, and, uh, and you know, sign up and maybe get picked to be one of, I think, 10 families. I think he's going to run into real problems with the uh, FEC over could I guess
2: he could say, say that he's hiring these uh, individual political consultants on a monthly basis, <laughs> <Yeah>. right?
1: <laughs> Mo, this is just, so. again, here's an effort to break out somehow. Yeah. You
4: get a car, you get a car, you get a car. <laughs> Exactly. I
1: thought
3: to well, myself, He had what? another uh, bizarre <laughs> moment, too, I thought, where he made the comment that I'm Asian, so I know a lot of doctors. Was it? Yeah, that was... was yeah. I mean, was that supposed to be a joke, do you imagine, I, I that guess He's gone was, there before. He's yeah. gone there before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think it was supposed to be humorous, but... I'm Jewish, so I know a lot of comedians, and that wasn't yeah. funny.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, you're, you're right. It wasn't funny uh, at all. All
3: right, <laughs> so
1: uh, the next debate's in October. We'll stay on top of it. I And of course, we'll be following the presidential campaign, especially as it relates uh, to Georgia as we move forward. Jim, let's move on to another uh, big event that took place this past week. Well, I don't know if it was a big event. It was something. The House Judiciary Committee, led by Gerald Nadler, met to vote on whether to begin a process that sort of starts looking at an impeachment investigation or maybe just an inquiry <laughs> it was the strain it was it was based on the fact that the house democrats can't figure out what the heck
2: can't have any unanimity on what they want to do about an impeachment of trump and and what to call, and what to call it and you had yeah. uh, you had three georgians on that committee you, yep, had, that's... you have doug collins uh, the ranking republican then you yep. have hank johnson and you have lucy mcbath mm-hmm. right right and and of of those three lucy mcbath is the one who's who's really kind of on the on, on the on the uh, on the on the spot in terms of a a, a re-election bid in the 6th yep. district yep. And she's thinking about a U.S. Senate run. Yep, mm-hmm. um, it's interesting. Again,
1: I'm, I'm making light of it, but but only because we don't really quite know. We do know they put a process in mm-hmm. place where they they can now. Uh, uh, talk to people privately. I think there are a number of things that they can now implement if they want If they want to
0: move toward an impeachment yes. investigation. Yes, and some of those are actually pretty important. Yes. I mean, so they, they also changed the rules that now they can have uh, committee members be able to question people and not just the yes. members yes. of it, which is sort of a big move to sort of suggest that it's going into much more of an in-depth committee rather than just kind of being show hearings and investigations. Um, the other part was the separating out of the powers to the subcommittees. That was actually one of the big fights that uh, Representative Collins in particular really objected to because again, it means that now less people uh, are able to kind of follow certain paths that divides up the work and again makes it sort of easier if what they're trying to do is compile information to get towards an end.
1: So let's talk about the Georgians on the panel. Collins continues to be, as ranking member of the Judiciary Committee, Alan, uh, the biggest defender that Trump has really right, right now on Capitol Hill. And y- you've got to say, watching him in action, he's done a great job on behalf of the president. He's very forceful in the way yeah. that mm-hmm. he defends uh, the president. Maybe one of the reasons that he's uh, could be one of the top right. choices for the seat, uh, Johnny Isaacson's seat in the yeah, Senate. Yeah, I think
3: that <clears throat> he has positioned himself very well. Mm-hmm in that regard um, if he chooses to run for that seat. Um, because before this, probably very few uh, people outside of his district knew who he was. Yeah. Uh, now, um, he's still not a household name, but I mean he's certainly uh, more recognized and I think this will be viewed very favorably by Republican voters in the state. So. So I think it's a smart move for him. He's headed to Iowa next month. Yeah, mm-hmm. to speak for the
1: Faith and Ralph Reed's group, right. he's yeah. doing a mm-hmm. keynote speech right. for the Faith and Freedom Coalition. Mo, uh, Hank Johnson and Lucy Macbeth both voted for uh, this uh, uh, resolution that moves the whatever it is process further along the way. But McBeth was very insistent in the aftermath of her vote in saying, no, 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 I haven't changed my position. I still believe there has to be a lot more evidence, a lot more information before I would actually vote to impeach the president of the United States. Of course, that hasn't stopped Georgia Republicans from saying she voted for impeachment yesterday or this week.
4: It's so hard. And um, I I actually ran into her yesterday in Washington. I know she struggles with it because she's in the sixth. She has a reelection to come upon. But it's this very um, thing in the Democratic Party that bothers so many Democrats because there's never a, well, maybe we should do it this way or that way in the Republican Party. It's absolutely not. And they Mm. all you know, get uh, on board with it. We have this thing in the Democratic Party where there's got to be a whole bunch of discussion and and folks are worried about Mm -hmm. not leaning too far this way or that way. And really... um, when you talk to people privately, do they want President uh, Trump impeached? Yes. Mm-hmm. And so for the support of that, it's it's mind boggling that there's no definition around this, and there's all this scrambling for. Well, it's not quite this yet, but it's this quite yet. I understand Lucy's problem. I understand why she's mm. concerned. Well, about it. also the she,
1: came immediate. Pelosi won't go there. That's right. So Her Pelosi won't not, go there, and you're a Lucy Macbeth. You need a little cover. But, well, but, Pelosi is doing that on behalf of people like Lucy that's Macbeth. The point. Exactly. That's yeah, my exactly. point. That's actually my point. Um, yep. But also, Jim made a really good uh, other point about this. McBath may be uh, deciding right now whether she, in fact, is going to run for mm-hmm. the U.S. Senate rather mm-hmm. and drop yep. out of the campaign for the 6th District. Exactly. And that puts her again in a sort of a precarious
2: position in terms no, of No, it actually this. puts her in a safer position because she oh, can say, yeah. if really? I'm, I'm, mm-hmm. I will be a member of the jury as a member of the Senate, so I just really need to stay stand back. Oh, that's, that's interesting. Oh, yeah. okay. okay. thank well, you. I would yeah. agree with that. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Okay. This right,
0: because is- I mean, the House gets tasked with, if they want to put forward articles of impeachment, right? they're the ones who say, here are the charges, but then the senators act as uh, the jury and then do sort of that vote. And so it is that the initial step is sort of more of a political partisan one. I mean, not that the impeachment vote itself is not, but it does change it. And I think that you're right on that. And I think the other side of it is that there has been a lot of confusion about sort of what is going on? What are the things that people are even looking at? What are the standards? Where have yeah. we put it that I think <clears throat> we're going to have to grapple with for a really long time? Yeah. I mean, it, it almost seems quaint to think well, back about the scandals well, we've had. You in know, I, case. I
3: don't think there are going to be 218 votes uh, in favor of any article of impeachment in the foreseeable future i don't see that happening and time's running out it's keep the reality a, keep, an eye on,
2: keep an eye on john lewis well that's what, you yeah. know what yeah. let's do this i we're i'm
1: just really interested in what the panel has to say <laughs> so i'm sort of neglecting our breaks but i better get to our <laughs> final one we'll come back let's talk about what jim galloway just mentioned on political rewind gallant mm. yeah,
3: GPB's
2: Fall Fun Drive starts soon, but the time to give is now. Your contribution at gpb.org before the drive starts will do twice the good. You'll support the programs you enjoy, and your gift will be part of our Challenge Fund to inspire others to join you in supporting GPB during the Fun Drive. You'll also have a chance to win a St. Simons Island getaway to the King and Prince Beach and Golf Resort. So please,
3: go to gpb.org and click Donate, and thanks. What do Renaissance paintings, the gardens of
4: Versailles, and Washington, D.C. all have in common? They've all been designed with geometry in mind. I'm Ira Flato, this week on Science Friday, how this ancient field of mathematics, invented by the Greeks, shaped our modern world. That's on Science Friday from WNYC Studios. Join us for Science Friday this afternoon at 3, right here on GPB
1: same way well, she had been behind business. gun
4: legislation. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I think That's we're right. back.
4: Oh, <laughs>
1: We started okay. her You know what? Stop. You all, you know what? We should just keep the cameras rolling. We should put this show in a little box in the corner. <laughs> because these, this is such a great panel to keep going. Bill, right. let
4: me just say this one thing real quick of about course. Lucy McBath. Um, the people in the 6th loved Lucy for everything she stood for. You know, when her son was murdered, she stood up for gun rights. She joined this coalition of mothers. And they voted for her because of her power. Passion for that. So I don't think if she would have joined in passionately about impeaching right. the president, that those same voters would have said, oh, well, now I can't vote for Lucy. Mm-hmm. They're in for Lucy. And I think that you can't start changing yourself when you start getting into this political game. And I just fear that that could happen. And I don't want it. And to. the
3: other side of that is that uh, I, I don't think she's going to win over many Trump supporters uh, in her By district just, right. um, and Republican voters by, uh, you know, opposing this or, or right. appearing to be very reluctant to support uh, the, the move toward impeachment. So, yeah, I, I just I don't think that she's helping herself. There. OK,
1: yeah. uh, Jim, uh, you know, John Lewis made a comment that's probably more uh, dramatic than many of the other things mm-hmm. being said about impeachment. He said, uh, what's the exact. I'm moving to the air. What my, was it? My time is almost oh, My t- time is near. <laughs> my time is almost here. If John Lewis comes
2: out, and says we need to impeach President Trump. What's its impact on the House? Well, number one, you know, you're, you've got intense pressure from four, four other uh, Democrats uh, from Georgia: McBath, uh, Johnson, David Scott, mm-hmm. and Sanford Bishop. Uh, he, he, he would lead the way of the Congressional Black Caucus, mm-hmm. and that would probably that would that would that would that would put uh, Nancy Pelosi in a position. But you, you know, in a so, so in a way, John Lewis is also kind of the bulwark against mm-hmm. in, against impeachment at this point. Yeah, uh, he's. I mean, he's kind of this moral voice that has that's going to say so over this. I, I find I find that very intriguing. Did you? Uh, which who talked to? to this was me? this was uh, this was a, a, an interview that he did with Politico yesterday.
1: Okay, so I guess the reason I'm asking that is, I mean, that comment could mean. One of two. That could mean I'm moving to the point where I think it's too too late, and I want to ask okay. Ellen what that means, too late. Okay. Uh, or it could mean I think there's, we're going to have no choice. We don't really know, do no, we? No, no.
2: Okay. no I mean, he's, he's walking a very fine line. Right. Okay. Ellen, why is it getting I, I mean, to first too all late? All,
3: I, I think the problem they're facing is that they need testimony from some of the people around Trump mm-hmm. to really seal the deal uh, 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 and convince uh enough democrats to get to 218 votes on an article of impeachment and i don't think there's time to do that i don't think they're going to be able to compel those people to testify in time Mm. for that to happen and then if we get much later and into 2020 it's an election year and again i think it just makes it even more difficult so i think the reality is that this is never going to happen i just don't think that they're going to vote on articles of impeachment because I think the priority has to be on what do we need to do to make sure Trump is a one-term president, mm. not to try to kick him out of office, uh, which is not gonna happen anyway because obviously the Senate would never vote to convict him, um, you know, to get, to, to get rid of him a few months before his term would end anyway.
1: So, uh, Mo and then Amy, I'd like to get you in, on this too. You talked a little while ago in another context about uh, marketing, branding, uh, uh, whatever. Um, I've heard any number of analysts say something I think is fascinating. Um, you can come up with articles two, three, four, and five for why Trump ought to be impeached, but you need the marquee issue. What's article number one? Oh. Does that make sense to you?
4: Yeah. Wow.
1: <laughs> I'm not asking you to tell oh, us what okay, it is. Okay, because I was thinking, can you come is, up with yeah. this fast? No. In fact, the point of that statement has yeah. been there isn't yet one right. that they've been able to identify. Sure. I don't know if, how. True that seems, but I'm interested in your, yours and Amy's thoughts.
4: You know, I, I had never heard it put that way, yeah. exactly that way um, before. And and coupled with what you're saying about the timing, you know, that could really be it. And and inserting John Lewis into this, like you said, the moral voice of America, um, could be. Uh, it could be either they can't find that number one, or they're really close to that number one, and so I don't, you know, I don't know the answer. So, to that.
1: Amy, part of that is you could look at the Mueller report and see the ten-plus mm-hmm, incidents mm-hmm. that he uh, defined <clears throat> that show obstruction by the Second. president. Yeah. But that's ten different items. Mm-hmm. How do you roll that together and make it a, a again a marquee issue? I think that's part of what the well, question I here. Well, I think is.
0: it's also a question. So, it's sort of going into the timing that uh, Alan was mentioning, the fact that once the Mueller, as soon as the Mueller report came out, if they had immediately said, "Here are right," the marquee thing is obstruction of justice. Here's ten clear instances that have been outlined from Mueller, and Mueller said that this is something that has to be handled in the political process and that is left to Congress, then it would be sort of easy to move forward. And what's interesting is that by delaying, they also Almost took that off the table right. as being what they could point to right. because it should have been able that they could have the next day.
1: But I think part of that, Jim, is also—and then I know you want to answer this your own way—but part of that also is Trump has done such an effective job of negating, for his people at
2: least, uh, everything critical that's said Trump about just, him, well, including well, the obstruction. Well, and the, and the and the and the refusal to cooperate right. with Congress on anything right. can be another ground. But again, another ground for impeachment. But again, it's number three, four, or five. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I've. I've said this on, on 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 air before, and I'll say it again. We have to remember that that uh, Richard Nixon was
3: impeached only in his second term, not yeah. in his first. Yeah, mm. yeah. Alan and and you know there were the tapes, and right. uh, you know so uh, I I think the obstruction would have to be the the first, if they're going to vote articles of impeachment. The other big one, uh, I would say, the second biggest one to me. Is the uh, has to do with the emoluments, emoluments. clause, emoluments. and it's, it's the corruption. Trump has fought those off. I mean, he's well, like- but but I think that's where I mean, and again, in both of those regards, especially obstruction, the problem is that you really would would need or would like to have at least testimony from people close to Trump who right. could who could back that up, uh, said yes, you know, he directed me to uh, stop this investigation and so on, or yes, you know, we. Uh, We're trying to get people to stay at his property so that you know, his personal his business would benefit. Right.
1: One other quick item be, before we completely run out of time, Jim Karen Handel. I, I read this in the Political Insider blog. Seems to have ruled herself out as someone who would like Nathan, uh, Nathan Deal, Brian Kemp, to appoint her uh, to that vacant uh, Johnny Isaacson seat. Right, Why? Right. Why would she do that?
2: Uh, well, I think she understands that she's probably not in that in that particular circle. Uh, she's she's mm-hmm. look she's run two statewide races before and and lost both of them. Uh, the only one the 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 latest one that she's won, other than uh, uh, the well, uh, the Secretary of State, uh, uh, pretty long ago, is is the Sixth District. And if Lucy McBath should decide to run for Senate, well, then she she becomes an immediate favorite, I think.
1: Yeah. All right. Listen, we're completely out of time uh, for today's show. Amy Steigerwald, mm-hmm. it's been a pleasure to have uh, you back. Mo Ivor, will you come back? It's been fun to have Absolutely. you on. Good, Thank good, you. good. Alan Abramowitz, we always love it when you come in. And Jim Galloway, you're going to be back with me on Monday at two o'clock, starting a whole new week of Political Rewind. I look forward to that. Me too. All right, everybody. That's just about it for us here at uh, Political Rewind. By the way, real quick, big Sunday night for Georgia Public Broadcasting. Ken Burns' eight-part, 16-hour series on country music starts on the Sunday night. And i got to tell you, if you love country music like I do, it's going to blow you away. Try to tune in and see it. And be back with us for Political Rewind tomorrow at 2.